Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Many people were raised with a thick skin, just get over it, life is hard, pull up your bootstraps kind of influence. There were parents that understood what going without truly meant, whether it be that they went without food, a job, a place to live, security, equality, inclusion. And so to prepare oneself for such a possibility, a new messaging had to be installed, a messaging system that perhaps overcompensated for that possibility of suffering, a system that hugs closer to apathy, even antipathy, more than empathy, which in turn makes it easier for individuals to hate than to understand and relate. We can take a surface statement like many of us do when we are on social media, and we can apply a deep-seated sense of hatred and aversion to it based on our habitual patterns of engagement. The challenge to this form of engagement is that it doesn't unearth what's beneath the statement. We are more than just sentence declarations. We are people with fears, feelings, desires, and needs. But we react to words. We apply emotions to words in such a way that they take on this pseudo-power that paralyzes our ability to think critically and compassionately. Fuck. What a word. It captures so much, it conjures so many emotions, some would say the most emotions possible in one word, and it is the most used swear word in the English language. Does it have a value in social discourse? Does its gravitas generate too much potential for misinterpretation, offense, irritation, and that it can really never be valuable or acceptable as everyday language? It's tough to say. When someone says, fuck you, You feel it. You feel it inside. You feel like you've just been fucked. If you think back to how fuck the police had such a transformative power, how it opened the eyes to so many to what was really taking place beyond immediate purviews, it's difficult to side with the opinion that a civil and decent society or community ought to prevent or prohibit such displays of vulgarity like fuck. It is that which is vulgar and offensive that ignites a fire in individuals to make changes in their own lives. It is because I can see all the possibilities of evil playing out that I am in turn inspired to not repeat those evils in my own life. It is because I know how terrible and wretched our society can stoop in the name of quote-unquote the greater good that I refuse to silence those who have something to say no matter how they say it, no matter if I agree with it, or how and when they say it. I don't want someone policing the way I express myself, even if I do it in a really underdeveloped way. That is for me to discover for myself and face it and develop it. It's not for anyone else. I have this college textbook on discourse analysis, and I was flipping through it during many of the interviews for this series, Getting to Know Your Neighbor. One statement seems fitting for this introduction here. I just want to read it. 
The problem of recognition and being recognized is very consequential for all of us, all of the time. Making visible and recognizable who we are and what we're doing always involves a great deal more than just language. It involves acting, thinking, valuing, talking, sometimes writing and reading in the appropriate way, with the appropriate props at the appropriate times in the appropriate places. This is proper discourse. So what that says is that we must depend on socially acceptable associations of not only language use, but thought process, values, action, and interaction at the right time and place. Do you think that sounds familiar to some of the protests and expressions and declarations we've seen spilling over our local, national, and global headlines? Now is not the time to stage a protest. You don't protest at a football game. Protesting during COVID is irresponsible and deadly. You don't block a highway or a road just because you want to change the world or send a message to somebody. For us to have proper conversational intercourse, we must recognize one another as individual humans and not types or labels or categories or collective sides. Mutual recognition must be the foundation for any interaction that we desire to be productive and beneficial to the soul and to the world. From there, we recognize that while a system of recognition is so important in that we all recognize that a cup is a cup, what's more important is a system of recognition that includes the human and realizes the context of interplay with a human is much more dignified than that of a cup. We do not need to reject the expression of another, nor allow ourselves to feel victimized or offended by an expression of another, simply because their expression does not mirror the way we express ourselves. Loosening our grip on control is a huge struggle, one that I battle readily and daily. So know that when I say these words, I'm kind of talking to Danielle too, you can't control other people. You can try. But all of our attempts to control the environment of another, to control the behavior of of another, to control the actions and the ways people express themselves, all it really does is limits ourselves to the possibility of further understanding why this life is so beautifully and wonderfully chaotically meaningful. We'll miss out on joy. We'll miss out on a teaching that can abundantly bless us in the most unexpected and spontaneous of ways. If you believe everything happens for a reason, as I tend to, then wouldn't you want to compassionately consider that perhaps even that which offends you and outrages you might be trying to help you heal a wound from within? What if life's purpose is to learn how to navigate the obstacles and blockages so that we can find our perfect flow? Obstacles don't have to be removed for flow to continue. A river doesn't ask the rocks to move out of its way. A river simply flows over it. I wonder if we can learn how to be more like a river. Something I hope we can all reflect on and maybe come back and have a discussion on. My next guest is Landon Paternos. He's a city council member of Olivia, Minnesota. This is his first year as a council member and active in government, and he esteems an optimistic and pragmatic view for the future of our little community. He shares his thoughts on Hoffman's Fuck Biden flag, and we discuss how local governments operate differently than the national government, how we can better communicate with our elected leaders, and why conversation is so important to the rural dynamic. Listeners, please compassionately consider their perspective. 
of Landon Paternos. Enjoy the episode. Because I'm a Olivia City Council person now. <laughs> and is this this is your first term? Yeah, I'm a whole month and a half into it. And this is your first run at any kind of local government? Yep. Yeah. And how are you liking it so far? Good. A little bit different than I thought. I didn't quite expect to be uh, dealing with the First Amendment concern in the first month of office. But besides for that, everything is going pretty much as expected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was um, very, very interesting. Very, very well-timed, given what we're seeing transpire throughout the nation. And um, is... Uh, poking at so many deeper issues than I thought I would see reflected throughout the little ripples. When it was first introduced to you, this sign, when you first got wind of it, when you first started hearing complaints about it, what was your first impression about how to handle this? Ignore it. It'll go away. Just kind of don't give attention to anything that we don't need to. Yeah. I mean, people want that or people put signs like that up to get a reaction. It's not, you're, you're never going to change anybody's opinion with a, with a sign like that or a flag or whatever it is, or even the same type of sentiment with bumper stickers or whatever. So obviously it's just something to get attention to whatever you want to get attention to by just not giving it attention, I think is the best way to make it go away. Do you think that method is working for Olivia or are you still dealing with any kind of complaints with the city? Well, I don't think that that method's been tried very fully yet. Uh, we still seem to be giving it plenty of attention, of attention at this point. I mean, for the most part, it seemed the calls I have received have been have tapered off in the past few weeks. So, yeah, I think it's working to an extent. The article from the Renville County Register, you were quoted as talking about how people need to use their power of of their speech, and for me. That was initially the concept that I thought is kind of derived out of the placement of the sign was that was him kind of enacting a discussion, kind of raising his hand saying, I want, I have something to say, or I want to be heard about something. So from my perspective was that that was an invitation. And I'm wondering if you have received any requests from people to sit down and have a conversation with either the city council members or to arrange and possibly mediate a conversation with the sign order if people are coming to you complaining and feeling offended and feeling like more action needs to be done. No one is really interested in having a conversation about that sign per se. Mm-hmm. It's more interested in just seeing it taken down, which I think generally from the people I have talked to, it, it has nothing to do with the political part of the sign. It just has everything to do with the obscenity Again, it's still his right to say it's a very well-protected, very well-defined right at this point, but just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean that it is the correct thing to do. And to an extent, um, when I talked about using our power individually, which this is me speaking personally, to address the issue, I meant outside of the city council, we have different Everyone has their own different affiliations with people and groups and relationships with others. And if you wanted to make change, the best way to go about it would probably be to use those relationships that you've built up outside of the political sphere, since we were talking about this during a council meeting, to make that change happen instead of trying to rule from above, per se. That's a very good point. And that's what I was drawn to with this entire topic was just the, the possibility of the conversations that could unfold 
would people be willing to sit down and discuss something deeper than just, I'm offended by that sign? And can we go into why we're offended and how we can address it? And what does that say about our individual efforts at resilience and tolerance and acceptance of the diversity? And can we wrestle with that on top of it? And so for me, it was just kind of like, this is another controversy that under the layer reveals fears that maybe we're all struggling with right now and reveals anxieties about the future and not knowing what's going to take place in the era that we're living in. And so that was just for me, I really appreciated that we could have something like that if we can unfold it and look at it from a deeper level. Now, the owner of the sign, I've interviewed him and he's quite boisterous in his social media about where he stands, kind of trickles into a a tribe that seems to be what many others are calling radical and kind of more in an extremist right view with a lot of the blatant in your face, fuck propaganda memes and everything else that you see. From your personal experience, do you have anyone that falls into kind of this general category that you're struggling with, conversing with, and and maybe maintaining a connection with because of these ideas that a lot of people are almost idolizing? Me personally, no. I mean, I have friends and family members that hold views very similar to the owner of the sign. My feeling, and I guess the way I always look at stuff is I'm never going to let someone's political views uh, sway my relationship with them because um, through 99.9% of the interactions you have with people and yeah, just their interactions, their political opinions isn't really going to affect the interpersonal relationship that much. It's more of a philosophical thing than it is a relationship problem, I guess. So I've never really let that affect my personal relationships with people. Do you think that some of the beliefs um, that people are clinging to and politicizing might be creating problems for local communities or even larger communities? So, I mean, a lot of people would argue and say that what you do believe can impact your behavior and how you treat other people. And what I see most predominant right now is a general concern for Let's take a very cliche category of the mega supporters that attended the rally or the people that you see on social media that are saying things like Trump 2024 and are still backing kind of all of this post quote unquote insurrection. Do you think that we have any kind of a responsibility as individuals within our community to kind of confront the ideas, deconstruct them a little bit, examine them to help ensure and encourage they don't grow into something more radical Um, and extreme? Well, first, I think that uh, going about it and labeling it as a confrontation probably isn't the way to do it, first and foremost, just because confrontation kind of implies there will be a winner and a loser of the discussion. And I think that's the exact opposite of what you want, of how you want to go into something. It's more of a nine times out of 10 confrontation probably isn't going to be what changes someone's mind. It's going to be experiences more than anything. Like I said at the meeting that was summarized in the article was uh, using your interpersonal relationships with people and talking to them more will probably help a lot more than just confronting them and being, for lack of a better term, confrontational about it. And so do you feel that the city council itself has any kind of responsibility in helping encourage and organize conversations? 
that's a tough one, I guess, because it's definitely not in the purview of the city council to curtail anybody's rights to speak in again with these signs. And so really we have to, I think it's kind of the job of the council to stay out of it more than anything and lean on maybe individual council members or community members in their roles as citizens to do the acting for them. Like we have plenty of churches and nonprofit groups, which again, have these relationships with the people with the signs and everybody in town more than just them. But I think using those groups and affiliations and relationships would be a lot more effective way to deal with this if that was how you wanted to go about it. Do you think churches help organize conversations between people? Definitely. Oh, really? One of the questions that I had, kind of a general question about just communities in general, is how often does a community organize a function solely based on encouraging authentic and intimate connection and relationship building and, and conversation sharing. Do you see that taking place within our community? Not in particular, but that's for the most part, groups like that tend to be non-political and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it is in their best interest to not try to have conversations like that, in my opinion. And churches to not have political conversations? Right. Kind of leans on that whole separation of church and state what was interesting, though, is like when I interviewed Tom Kalahar, who's also a council member, he had mentioned that, and I think the mayor did too, there would be some kind of like intermingling with different organizations, committees, stakeholder groups, businesses, and churches within our community to kind of all establish and share this mission statement of values. And I asked the question directly to both if that was kind of like an entangling because it was a political I mean, honestly, it's a political topic because it's, it's constitutionally presented and it is presented in an atmosphere where we're discussing, you know, our rights and we are also kind of identifying ourselves by the, the political sides that we vote by. And so what, what I was like thinking is, you know, the local governments seem very comfortable with utilizing outside and even church organizations to kind of help, you know, encourage and spread and spread support um, for the community, but again, which organization is creating the conversation settings for us? So that do we have any leadership showing us how to have conversations about these issues without them just being kind of delegated out to other organizations that are also not creating the conversation space? Does that make sense? Kind of, not okay. really, but oh, um, well, just in general, like, are, should we be wondering and looking to leadership within the government, within the churches, within these organizations for someone to help create conversation space so that the community can you come together and have these discussions? Well, first of all, um, I know for certain that the, uh, it's not the city government that is going I, I know about the mission statement that you're talking about or the mm-hmm. statement of shared values or what I forget yeah. the exact term. That is someone in their capacity as a private individual who has went around to all these groups and kind of found a mutual common ground for a lot of the nonprofit groups and religious groups. So as far as a shared mission statement, it is a shared value statement. It is the values that are shared by those groups specifically, which you can argue reflect the values of the community as a whole, given that it is a very wide swath of groups and organizations that are... But did it, on board well, with it. Okay. 
it, it, could, it very well could. I'm not denying that possibility. But so the individual that went and got the help of other people to create this statement were like individual citizens in Olivia, like questioned as well. And did they get to give their input? I don't know. I am not part oh, of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just here. Oh, cause um, I don't live within the city limits. So I don't even know if I would be included in something like that, but I generally try and lean away from that whole idea that we all share the same values simply because I think there's such a diversity of the way that we, uh, I would say rank our values that I don't know, that would be a really just broad assumption of values that we all share that I, I guess I wouldn't want to be responsible for making to just know that we all have individual values. Again, it's not, a, it's not pinning those values to you. You're not the one yeah, that's no. going, you're not going to be the one signing the letter. It's going to be a set group of individuals and organizations that will be. It's yeah. a, it, they are affirmatively stating that they, those are the values that they support and uphold. So yeah, no, I think and, that- and I, I'm on board with that. I think they're great values and I appreciate the ambiguity of it because it kind of left room open for people to impose their own values on it and see that they're essentially still valuable as somebody else's. So I'm not knocking on it. I always have my concerns about that, that collective term being imposed on anything when it's not necessarily considering all all of the individuals when it's more of a general kind of status quo most of us believe this kind of thing it leaves the people on the fringes kind of excluded from that and i feel like more or less can create dimensions of divisions that could create problems later on but generally speaking if you're part of one of these groups don't you then subscribe to the values that they subscribe to like for instance a church or the Kiwanis, I think they have a mission statement that they uphold. Uh, Sons of Legion have a mission statement that they try to uphold. Obviously, a church has their own set of missions and a whole book of statements that they try to uphold. So I think that it's pretty fair to assume that if you're a member of those group of one of those groups, you must, you not must, but you more likely than not subscribe to the values of those groups. But or, the people uh, that don't subscribe to those groups, you know, they're kind of... Not accounted for, exactly. They're not, they're not the one assigning the letters. No one's saying that they support or don't support those groups. It's Like I said, it's, it's an affirmative statement that those groups do support it, not saying that somebody else doesn't. I, I understand the distinction, and I understand that there was this desire to create something like this. But a lot of the complaints from many members of the community have insisted that when we do these grouping things and when we have this general idea about the way things are and what's decent and what's civil, it doesn't account for what they believe and it it makes them feel like they're being pitted against. Like they're not living up to these ideals that the city says represents the city. They feel like they're excluded from that group, if that makes sense. And so that seems to be what a lot of the gossip is about is that the city council kind of made these people feel like they weren't as valuable and they weren't as important and that, you know, phrases and words that were chosen to be used to describe the the sign owner, for example, that just kind of really placed a hierarchy from their perspective. Did you hear any feedback like that? No, I haven't, but I think I understand what you're saying. Um, 
I don't think it's a good idea or something to support to demean others in order to get your own point across that for the most part, just, I think it says more that you're not very good at articulating what you need to, to get your own point across. So yeah, as far as like demean, as far as putting down others to raise yourself up, that's definitely not something I support. I don't, I think I can uh, say that most people don't support that. Yeah. Has this particular controversy conjured or cultivated any new creative ideas to help the city better connect with their individuals so they're not feeling like they need to use signs to create discussions and maybe garner attention of love of the neighbor? At the city level, not that I'm really aware of. That would be something that would be more geared towards a private individual or group to do. In my opinion, not a place for the government to step in. You think the government should, should be separate from relationship building? For the most part, government is supposed to be, and this is really getting into my political beliefs more than anything, but the government is to protect the rights of the people. Um, and as much, it is, as much as it is to, to define what those rights are, as far as getting conversations and community building, I think that for the most part, that's better left towards nonprofits, groups, churches, what have you. I'm, I'm more of a hands-off approach kind of person, so. So you're a hands-off approach kind of person, but you're in the government, so. <laughs> that sounds a little funny. <laughs> Not what we expect, because a lot of people see the government as kind of this invasive overarching, you know, like big brother watching your every move and making sure that you're staying within the box and in the lane. But for local government, it's quite different. And is it, do you think, more transparent and more relaxed and not as serious as maybe media makes it out to be? Oh, I think for the most part, the media isn't interested in what's happening in local governments. What, what goes on in uh, city of Olivia, Bird Island, Danube, Brenville County, whatever, doesn't make the papers outside of possibly the Wilmer paper. So the media portrayal of government doesn't really portray what happens at the local level. It's much more of a state and national level, which there's a lot, a lot easier to get headlines from that. And as far as being more relaxed, it definitely is more relaxed, which is why I'm sitting here in a sweatshirt in my kitchen and not in a hall of Congress somewhere. <laughs> it's a bit more informal. So going back to what your political beliefs are, what do you see transpiring before us right now? Is there anything that you're concerned about with what we might be facing? Are you feeling more hope because of who the president is now? Thoughts to share on that? I just think that we're in for a decade of change, whether it's right or wrong depends on how you look at it. But I think that uh, social media and regular media are um, evolving quicker than we know as a society how to deal with it exactly. So it's just going to be an interesting next 10 years. <laughs> Does the local government have to keep up with the changing technology and consider the infrastructure changes that we might be faced with? As far as what exactly? As technology is progressing, as we're seeing certain businesses come to an end, what kind of revitalization and um, ingenuity are we seeing that might be coming out of, that might be forced to have to come out of smaller local communities? And where is the government's responsibility in that? Honestly, I have no good answer for that. Obviously, the government has to try to, its best to keep up with the times, which, I mean, our city is doing as well as we possibly can at that. I don't know exactly what the future is going to hold it's, and what we're going to have to do to deal with it. I think that it's going to be important for local governments to use 
some of the new technology advancements or just changes in the way people communicate to stay in contact with their uh, constituents and citizens. Like, for instance, I personally have a Facebook page that I try to clear, uh, share the agenda with anybody who follows it and give them links to our Zoom call meetings for the city council just because uh, I think the city could probably do a better job of disseminating that information. I think the city could do a slightly better job at that, and I'm doing my part, I guess. Do you wish role. there were there was more uh, more interest in in the citizens with participating with local government with attending the meetings? Do you think people are showing more interest, or are you hoping for more interest? Would love to see more interest. I mean, we have these meetings; they're open for everyone. I'd love to have people watch them, which maybe they all do, since they're these definitely are all saved online and can be watched at a later date, not just in the day that we have the meeting. And that feedback is important. If people want to see changes or don't want to see changes, it's best to let us know beforehand instead of trying to Monday morning quarterback it afterwards. Yeah. So how does the city field any kind of innovation and and ingenuity interest from individuals who want to help grow the rural community? You see more and more reports coming out that rural America might be the, the transcending, transformative ingenuitive focal point for the future. And so is, is our city government focused on making sure that we can, can hold space and, and, and be ready for that kind of shifting dynamic where we're helping grow and develop? And I think so. Um, I mean, we have Susie Lang helping, or not helping, but working with the EDA for that. Uh, as far as taking citizen suggestions and stuff, we have plenty of committees and groups that you can become a part of to give your feedback. And it's definitely all listened to. And we give reports at the end of every council meeting of all the of all the committee meetings we're at. So if someone is interested in giving feedback, we're always willing to take it. <laughs> That's good. That's really good to hear because we don't necessarily get that from the, the, the national and the federal levels as much as we'd hope. I fully agree, but I think that's probably the beauty of uh, the five people on the city council plus the mayor representing 2,500 people instead of, I don't even know what's in our congressional district, but it's a heck of a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. There's this writer named um, Mark Manson. I don't know if you're familiar with any of his work, but he writes these books um, like uh, The Art of Not Giving a Fuck and Everything is Fucked. And I recently heard him on Jordan Peterson and what he said really stuck out to me uh, after everything that he's come to understand about his life and what he's learned he realized that while we may think globally and we may be influenced globally if we're not participating in our local communities if we're not getting to know our neighbors if we're not learning how to interact with other people and create new experiences with the people at the heart of where we live we can never ever, ever, ever put into practice any kind of change that's going to effectively benefit the globe. And so I just wanted this whole series, especially to focus on that reminder as well, a reminder that I'm coming to terms with, because for so long, I was like, I don't know these people, screw them. I don't, I'm not, I'm going to live in my bubble. But the more that we come to understand that really at the heart of our local community is where all of the growth and the change and, and the transformation happens. We're going to, I believe, create a new appreciation and love for the neighbor. And what I'm just hoping takes place here, and especially with this whole new council, with a new mayor, with new set of ideas and openness set on track for this year, 
that we can continue to engage in conversations and we can continue to connect with another, what, one another and grow our community and then really put forward some change that we want to see for the world. And so with what you're doing and just taking the time sharing space with me to have this conversation, the way that you are all working for our community and doing what's best for us, I just want to say we appreciate you. And I thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down and have a conversation about this, Landon. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You take care.